This podcast is proudly sponsored by Gyro Drilling. They provide world-class drilling solutions for all types of projects. They specialize in auger, air core, and RC drilling. Head to the team at Gyro Drilling for all your mining needs and see how they can help you with your upcoming project. Hello, I'm Ben Kostrich, and this is the Market Bull Podcast. As this podcast grows, every subscriber helps. From those of you who watch this on YouTube or to those that listen on Spotify and Apple, every follower helps. If you do this one favor and hit follow on whatever platform you find us on, I promise I will continue to look and find fascinating people across the world and bring their perspectives to you. Thank you and enjoy this episode. So hello, I'm Ben Kostrich and this is the Marketable Podcast. Joining me today in the show is Nicole Duncan, the Managing Director of Nickel Search, which is listed on the ASX under code NIS. Uh, they've had a fair bit of activity towards the back end of last year and I've got her in the studio today to talk all about it. So welcome to the studio. Thanks, Ben. It's great to be here. Uh, we were saying this week there's RIU and you were there and there was a lot of investor activity and a lot of buzz and of course this is in the, the small cap end of town um, listed on the ASX and we're saying potentially uh, name changes on the card as we delve into the show but for those that are unfamiliar with your background mm-hmm. uh, you've worked at BHP and South 32 and now in the small cap end of town at, at Nickel Search I mean what is your history uh, and guess interest in the mining sector and, and industry? Mm, I've worked my whole career in mining and like you said, uh, BHP and South 32 and fantastic companies to work for. Uh, really great global experience, you know, across a whole group of different types of jobs. Uh, but I got to the point where I wanted a role that was much more hands-on and much more um, a direct impact on, you know, value creation for the shareholders. So you know, I looked at the small cap um, part of town and a junior explorer seemed like a really exciting place to be. So I knew a few people who were connected with Nickel Search and I thought, yep, that's a great opportunity. I'll, you know, hopefully join them and then they took me on, which was awesome. And that was what, about two and a bit years ago that those conversations started? Yeah, yeah. So um, the company listed in 2021 and late 2021 and so I, I started with them in February 2022. So... Uh, it was just shortly after the listing. Okay. And even taking on, you said the opportunity or even the, the excitement, the hands-on aspect. I mean, mm. what were really some of the draw cards then that you were like, okay, I'm going to take this opportunity and move away from, again, one of those multi-billion dollar companies yeah. and, and go towards probably one that you've got a lot of a tighter expenditure on on all the assets and everything you want to do and you suddenly you shrunk down and what you can and really can afford to do. So what was the some of the real incentives for, for you to take on that challenge? So I'd say that the same principles apply to running an exploration company as they do to, you know, a large organisation. Uh, you know, the same fundamental principles uh, are in place. It's just the scale and the resources that you've got to do the work. So that's where my background actually came in to, you know, to shine really because mm. I cover a whole bunch of functions. I worked a lot across the functions at BHP and South 32. In this role, usually managing directors are geologists. Uh, so what I've had to ensure is that I've had a really good geological team, mm. which I have. I've had the benefit of that. 
Uh, and then I can cover everything else, whether it's HR or finance or tech or well, actually, in terms of finance, you know, that's that's an area where it really pays to have someone else involved. Yeah. So there's a level of independence and oversight that mm. that sits side by side with the managing director. But all the other functions, you know, I had covered. And, you know, in a small cap, there's no airbags. No. So in a large conglomerate, you've got lots of other functions that are checking your work. And there's, you know, no, I'm there drafting ASX announcements and, you know, signing off on uh, the budgets and execution of the budget. You know, there's no airbags, but that's that's what I signed up for. Fascinating. And breaking down nickel search in itself, mm. Uh, as we said, it's probably gone through a bit of a transition throughout its time and since you're at the helm. So for those that are unfamiliar with what the company is and I guess its mission and where more importantly it's, it's focused in the areas, I mean, what is what is the company? What is Nickel Search? Yeah, it started off very much as the name says. So, you know, exploring for nickel sulphides. The company's tenements sit at Ravensthorpe, which is on the way to Esperance from Perth. And uh, so our neighbours are First Quantum. Now, you know, they've just announced that they're really scaling back. That's a nickel laterite mine. We were searching for nickel sulphides, which are um, high-grade nickel. They're very, uh, you know, they're very much valued. Nickel laterite uh, is a much more intensive nickel in terms of the amount you have to spend on processing. Not so much for nickel sulphides. So we spent, you know, the first... Um, two years after listing, you know, really going full bore, looking for the next RAV8. So on our tenement package, we have RAV8, which is an old nickel mine. It produced 16.1 kilotons. So that's 16,000 kilotons of nickel at 3.45%. So, Mm. you know, a nice high grade piece there. So our whole focus was finding the next RAV8 or the next mm. three RAV8s, you know, because um, it, it's a it's called a kamatiitic nickel sulfide formation. And so they form in discrete pods and their formation means that usually when you find one pod, you'll find another and another. So that was the whole premise. Yeah. Uh, but of course, you know, the nickel market has really turned with the impact of nickel coming on from Indonesia and we're seeing that in the headlines today. So only yesterday BHP announced a you know, massive scaling back of Nickel West. So, you know, around about that, well, we were fortunate because in 2022 uh, the company was then called Alchem. They run uh, Mount Catlin lithium production. Yes. They've now merged with another global organisation and they're known as Arcadium. But... 2022, Mount Cutland started flagging that they were running out of lithium uh, from their open cut mine. So, you know, in the background, we thought, hey, we're 10 k's down the road by the highway from Mount Catlin. You know, they need feed. Otherwise, they have to do an underground mine, mm. which is far Very more expensive. expensive. Yes. Yep. Yep. So if we have any lithium prospectivity on our tenements, that might be of interest for them. And we thought that that would be you know, not a side venture, but just another way of creating Mm. value for shareholders. And uh, so, you know, in 2022, we had a very well-known geochemist look at some soil samples that we had done on our tenements, just a small part of our tenement package. And he gave us 22 areas of interest to go into. So that's really how we got into lithium. And it just meant that when the market started uh, 
you know, the sentiment in the nickel market started falling away, we were able to also ramp up the focus on lithium. So it set mm. us up well. Yeah, you covered a bit there because, mm. yeah, the name would uh, almost sort of insinuate that it's predominantly focused on nickel and that's what we were sort of talking about before, that there mm. will probably be some eventual name change to align itself. And I wanted to really talk about really both those commodities uh, more from a macro point of view. The, the fact that lithium and nickel... Um, I mean, the reality was their price points in 2020 was astronomically way too high for uh, any sort of longevity. Uh, and we saw a, a pullback, but it's been quite harsh for a lot of the sector. And there's been a lot of restructuring, a lot of realignment as to what people are spending and the costs because lithium at least has fallen 80%. However, it did run up well, well beyond that from where yeah, it started it and did. similar with nickel. but. More so from that impact over the past couple of years, how has that really, what, what sort of impact has it had on groups like yourself um, on that smaller end of town? But more so, do you see that Australia is still quite in a unique position, especially in, in WA, to exercise really good lithium packages and opportunities that does set itself apart from the rest of the world? Like, you know, nickel in Indonesia is, yeah. is a lot more cost effective at the moment, but yeah. eventually there'll be some sort of balance again. What are your thoughts there? So there's a lot in that yeah. question, Ben. I'll take it in. I'll take <laughs> it in chunks. Yeah. So let's let's focus on the nickel first. Um, so yes, the market's been flooded by nickel coming out of Indonesia, and the big question mark is, you know, how how long will that last? Now, personally, I think that um, that you know Indonesia's got enough supply to keep the market going for quite some time. Uh, so then the question becomes, will Australia ever be able to claw that back, mm. um, some market share? I think that will only come, unfortunately, if we have major environmental events that has a, you know, very big impact on on, on people. Mm. Because what we're facing at the moment is there's a lot of talk about sustainably produced nickel and, you know, green nickel yeah. premiums. But, um, you know, it's far more uh, cost-effective to buy the nickel laterite coming out of Indonesia than it is to pay a premium for a sustainably sourced mm. nickel product. So people are doing what they economically, rationally should and they're buying the cheaper product. But if you look at the last, you know, five years, say, when we have massive environmental events then people start to think more longer term, not so much about immediate cost but overall longer cost. That might be the time when a sustainably sourced nickel product such as one coming out of Australia might then be able to demand a, a premium for the product. So, but, you know, we just, you know, if that's going to happen, when that's going to yeah. happen, we just don't know. So the impact of what we're feeling at the moment is that, you know, the retail investor or any investor really on the ASX isn't supporting nickel. Um, and unless they're incredibly robust and counter-cyclical, uh, but for the most part, all the funding on the ASX has dried up for yeah. any type of nickel and certainly for any nickel exploration. And nickel sulphide exploration is expensive because, like I was saying before, these are discrete pods and they sit deep so you can miss them when yeah. you're drilling. 
it's not like a huge iron ore mm. body. You know, you're looking for something that's, say, the size of a large house, 500 metres below surface with very little indication at, at surface that it's there. Yeah. So, you know, there's just no sentiment for that type of exploration. That means there's no capital. That means that we can't fund our activities there, which means we're not going to have a pipeline of nickel projects when that sentiment mm. comes back. So Australia's going to be a bit behind the eight ball in terms of bringing on new nickel sulphide supply. So, you know, I think that's where nickel's at. And I can talk a little bit about what we've done in response. But if I just turn more to lithium, to lithium yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, with the whole electrification push, which is really ramped up, I mean, we saw it ramp up over COVID, you know, and it's, it's continued to ramp up. Uh, lithium really, you know, came to the fore with that. And certainly in the last two years, it's just been uh, an amazing price rise. And there were companies like Pilbara Minerals, which were really set up for success to take advantage of that price rise. So that was great for them. Um, I think what we're experiencing now is one of the first bumps in the road on that electrification journey. And it's primarily got to do with cost, which mm. is, you know, what yes. I just said. So... Um, but with lithium, what's happened is there's a bit of uncertainty around, you know, um, the purchase of electric vehicles is still happening, but it's just not happening at the rate that was predicted. So people are still transitioning to electric vehicles, but it's just not as steep as what everybody had predicted. thought. Yeah. So, you know, that meant that sentiment has has come down and the price has fallen. But there's probably, number one, there was a bit of an overreaction in terms of the price hike and now there's probably a bit of an overreaction in terms of the price low. Mm. So, again, no one knows what's going to happen but my best guess is that the price will recover somewhat. At the moment, you know, the, the large lithium producers, if they get in the right spot on the cost curve so they get the cost right down, they're probably still making a bit of a margin. It just wasn't what it was, say, 12 months ago. Yeah. So um, that's the global piece from my mm. perspective but I think Australia also benefited. So maybe the drop in price didn't have such a large impact on us as soon, you know, as early as it did in the rest of the world last year and that's because of the the impact of the WA billionaires yes. getting really interested in the lithium space. So probably Australia was a bit sheltered from the, the global lithium price coming off because there was such an interest in getting um, a footprint or a foothold mm. on, on some of the hard rock lithium assets that are here. And, you know, we all know those stories. Yes. So and, and for some of them that's still unfolding as Europe being a great example. Mm. So... Uh, you know, it, it just it. I think there's just been a bit of an overcorrection, correction, and the price will recover somewhat. Yeah, the the markets have this fascination. It always happens. We overshoot to the upside and overshoot on the downside, uh, and eventually there's this this middle ground that's found. But mm. yeah, your, your points about the electric vehicle uptake is is pretty spot on in the fact that yeah, these predictions and and everyone likes to predict things well into the future, but we don't know until you actually get the raw data, and that always sort of rocks the boat. But there's no doubt that the lithium component for just batteries, but electric vehicles, but almost every technology that we use, mm. there needs to be a continuous supply coming online. And that feeds itself into, well, yourself and, and the projects that you've got. And 
you alluded to uh, more so that the focus on the lithium um, and some of the other sort of realignments of what's happening. But can you talk to us a little bit about the projects that you've got and uh, the activity that was happening in December with the the four new tenements that you yeah. brought online as yep. well? Yep. So our history, as I said, is nickel exploration, but we've completely parked that at the moment. So we know the next three targets we want to drill and then the next three targets after that, but there's no money for it. Yeah. So we've tied a bow on those and when sentiment returns, we can quickly get on with that work. Uh, when we started life, we had 108 square kilometres of tenement. Uh, in December, we acquired additional tenements in the Ravensthorpe area so that, are, you know, pretty close mm. to our current tenement package, which was great. And the, these were acquired for the lithium prospectivity. So now we're sitting on overall total package just shy of 200 square kilometres, uh, 150 of which we have the lithium rights for. So there, there is a part of our tenement package that we only have the nickel rights for. Oh, so, okay. so in terms of lithium, we have 150 square kilometres. But if I just back up, mm. Mount Catlin flagging that they um, need, you know, more feed. Uh, we then looked at our uh, soil sampling results. We realised that we were prospective for lithium there was a really interesting high priority area for us that sat around a quarry. And so we thought, well, let's just go onto the quarry first and see what that looks like and see if we can see anything. And by this point, we had um, signed a non-disclosure agreement with Arcadium, with Mount Catlin. And so a couple of their geologists came with us when we went onto the quarry and we walked on and Quarries are used for road base in Ravensthorpe and they have done blasting over previous years and there's a number of stockpiles of rock sitting at yeah. surface. So when they get a, a you know, a, a job, they crush that rock. Anyway, um, there was a great big boulder of visual spodumene literally sitting in one of these stockpiles that the Mount Catlin geologists were able to point at and say that's what you're looking for like yeah, that's that's that's, the, that's right what you want and this is on our tenement package um the trick at that point was though that this i mean this was a beautiful great big boulder but we couldn't actually see any host rock from the quarry and so all sensible geologists were going mm, this How's could have fallen off there? the back yeah. of the truck right mm. so anyway so we pushed over a number of the surface stockpiles and my team looked at every single rock individually and we found, you know, quite a few more boulders that quite obviously had the host rock from the from the quarry and, and the oh, visual okay. spodumene. So the geologists were happy to sign it off. And so what we've now been doing since then is we've focused on the quarry, we've focused on the area around the quarry and then we've focused on the broader land package. So would you like me to Yeah, no, please, because 200 okay. kilometres is, uh, square kilometres is yeah. not a small amount of no, land. No, it's not. That's right. And you've got to prioritise exactly. it, right? So our main priority is where we found the visual spodumene for obvious reasons. So um, the quarry has got a gravel sheeting on it that um, we, we need to pull up in order to expose the natural surface in order to find where this visual spodumene or pegmatite is in that natural surface. So we're focused on doing that. Um, then around the quarry, we've done uh, mapping and rock chip sampling and soil sampling. So that's all sensible work yep. that any exploration company should do when you're looking to define drilling targets. 
And so we've done all of that work. So we've now announced that we have eight drilling targets just in that quarry and surrounding area. And, you know, we're looking to get a drill um, onto the tenement as quickly as we can. It's, as I said, in Ravensthorpe, which is a big farming community, and it's also um, privately held land as well as Crown land. Mm. And when you're working on privately held land, you need the owner and occupier consent to have access. Okay. So we're putting, um, we've, we've got all the consents that we need, we just need one more, and we're in the you know, hopefully final stages of, of getting that consent. So, you know, and, and that person wants us to be there, wants to be involved in mm. the work, is excited about the work, so that's great. We've just got to make sure that we Do put in the right place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right deal for them, right deal for us. So uh, we're in the final stages of that and once we can get that um, squared away and they're happy and we're happy, then um, we can start drilling, which will be great. So, Away we go. Very mm, nice. Yeah, mm. so then that means it's naturally going to be a very busy 12 months potentially yeah. if this all does sort of start unrolling quite quite quickly. Yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, without, as we said, we don't want to predict too far into the future, but, mm. I mean, as you go through this drilling campaign, you've got those eight targets. Um, I mean, what, what else sort of starts coming after that going through? Maybe your experience sure. of what, what are the next steps yeah. after that? Yeah, yeah. So in terms of those eight drilling targets, some of them we would be able to drill immediately because, you know, say, for example, on the quarry, it's already cleared. So you don't need any of the surveys that the department usually requires. Now, again, it's Ravensthorpe. They're known for their wildflowers. You know, it, it does mean that there's requirements in terms of flora. There's also requirements in terms of fauna, so mm -hmm. um, animals, and cultural heritage. So for some of those areas for drilling, we can go ahead uh, because, it, you know, we already um, have the clearances but for some of those areas we'll need to get those surveys done before we can drill. Um, and that's okay because that then helps us stage the activity and stage the cost and, you know, build up the knowledge base that would, that would make the drilling more efficient going forward. And at the same time what we're looking to do is to uh, visit all of those areas of interest that we initially identified. So I said, you know, that soil study was done over only a, a portion of yes. our tenement package. We've then been able to do further work and we've identified 28 areas of interest. So we're now in the process of getting the team to all 28 areas, yeah. mapping, rock soil chip sampling, sampling soil yeah. sampling. So that's the next program okay. of work. Um, and that's well underway. So, you know, we should be coming out shortly you know, weeks, days or weeks mm. with a new announcement about the regional work. And then beyond that is the rest of the tenement package plus the new tenements that we yes. acquired. So, you know, and, and again, that's going to be, um, you know, the geologists have looked back at work that's historically been done and, you know, and other sort of early indicators of potential lithium outcropping pegmatites being one and sorry plain English version is the pegmatite is what holds the the lithium and outcropping means it comes to surface you can and see exposes it visually, itself. Yes. Yeah. yeah so you know that's always a great place to start mm. when you're trying to find you know um, lithium so we're going to focus on those areas first um, but hopefully you know the plan is by that point we know um, if, if there's no outcropping, you know, how to look 
you know, what are the best signs for lithium that's been buried mm. under surface? So, you know, we'll be able to use all of that knowledge. So really, the, you know, the areas are the quarry and the surrounds, then the other 28 areas, the remainder of those 28 areas, and then the, the broader, broader package. And yeah. so we're going to be hitting all of those over the next 12 months. I mean, that's a, a massive task. Mm. That's, a, that's a fair bit of activity. And I mean, more so like uh, I always think about it like seasonality. Is there much of a seasonality component, here, particularly working in Ravensthorpe and around that area with, you know, we talk about when you look at Pilbara, there's certain times of the year that are just, you know, you can't be out there because of weather. Is there any sort of implications with that as well? Down yeah, there, there is. Yeah. It tends to be more the wet season, which is winter. So yeah. usually during June, July, August, uh, it's it's wet and so the farmers don't want us on their property because that's going to have a you know a, a, an impact on 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 there if we're trying to get a drill rig on mm-hmm. there uh, but usually then what we do is we plan for we plan to get as much work in the field done in you know leading up to June and then, and the then we use yeah, yeah June July August to study all the data you know start announcing the results um, of that and the plans for when spring comes around in September, October. Yeah, next So it it is something that definitely has an impact, but, um, you know, we can can manage that. The other impact is during the summer with forest fires, so we have to be very careful about that. But that's usually only, you know, a couple of days here, a couple of days there. It's not like the the wet weather. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's all it's 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 manageable so long as you plan for it. Yeah. And you mentioned at the outset. I mean, you talked about the geos that you've had, but more so the team around you. And mm. I mean, that that palette of work there sounds like there is a lot to be aware of, and almost the whiteboard with notes and things to be on top of would be ever growing. But mm. more so the people that are around you uh, at Nickel Search. Uh, talk to me a bit about their history and experience and, yeah, who else is around you and, and how they're helping with, with this mission. Yeah, so starting with the board, we've got Mark Connolly and Linda Burnett as well as myself on the board. Um, Mark's a very well-experienced chair um, and he has spent many years he was an md of a junior himself that went into to development and production papillon that was very successful so you know he know he knows, knows his stuff. he knows yep. his stuff linda burnett is a 30 plus year geologist so very well experienced um explorationist in terms of the team i've got the exploration team and uh that is a um you know combination of geologists and field assistants primarily and then consultants when you need someone like a you know geochemist the um the geologists have both nickel experience and lithium experience i should also mention that our tenements are perspective for what's called VHMS. That's basically base metals. Oh, okay. So think of you like a copper and, mm-hmm. your, you know, lead and things like yeah. that. Um, but so we're perspective for that. But again, you know, we're not pursuing any of that because we're using all of the capital that we have to pursue the lithium given the context, right, with um, yes. Mount Cantlin just there. So, you know, the geology team has got nickel experience which we've now parked but thankfully also had good lithium experience plus also being able to collaborate with Mount Catlin you know their exploration manager is a 30 plus year lithium explorationist so you know that's a very good technical collaboration Uh, then we also have a very well experienced field fieldies and um, so I've got a site operations manager and you know field assistance and they're doing a lot of the soil sampling stream sediment sampling 
um, you know, they're walking the tenements and can identify outcropping pegmatites. So then the geologists can go back. So every everything we're doing, we're trying to do it in a very cost-effective manner. Mm. And when you have very experienced field assistants, that, that help. helps yes. a lot. Um, and then there's, you know, the the rest of the team. So, you know, the, the finance arm and the company secretary arm and the general database. Mm. I mean, you know, a lot of value for us is in all the historical drilling and all the historical work that's been done on our tenement package. So that takes um, some effort to make sure that it's all maintained and, maintained. and saved that's exactly correctly. Right. Yes, yep, yeah. yep. And it's not just the, say, the drilling database, but it's also, you know, geologists who have worked in this area over the decades, making sure we've got all their reports and they're on a shared drive, you know. So yeah. we're just trying to be really sensible about the value in us is in you know, a lot of this information, yes. so making sure we have access to it. Um, one thing I should point out is we have got about 140 kilometres of historical drilling that's been done on our tenements for nickel. And so part of what the team's also doing, and then we're getting to the final stages of this, is reviewing all of that drilling to see if pegmatites were logged or if a nickel geologist mistook something and incorrectly logged yeah, pegmatites for some, you know, something mm. else. So we're, we're, we're trying to be sensible about it. And, you know, I only say that not because the geologists were incompetent, but... It was just no one really cared no about lithium. No one cared about lithium, yeah. that's right. So yeah. pegmatite was seen as a bit of a waste, exactly. you know. So, yeah. you know, they'd be like, oh, whatever that is, yeah, we just we're not looking else. for it. So we've gone back and we've studied um, every metre of that 140 kilometres and there is a world in which we either have historical core or historical pulps so we can just reassay yeah. material rather than having to go and drill areas. But, you know, that is something that we're able to do is take advantage of that drilling database to help us get a bit of a leapfrog on the lithium side. Yeah, the, the historical drilling was, was going to be one of the points uh, to, to go down and I think you've encapsulated it quite nicely because, yeah, 20, 30, 40 years ago, some of the historical drilling goes back. No one really cared about lithium. They might have just been focused on gold or um, iron ore or something along those lines yep. and completely neglected it. And that's the beauty of having this historical data to go back and go, hey, had no value 40 years ago, but all of a sudden now it's the one of the only things that a lot of people want uh, mm. and in, in quite growing demand. But... I mean, you've covered a lot of what you guys are looking to achieve and I like to summarise really the, the key three takeaways so that investors know uh, that really everyone loves it in threes, but three key points that they can take away knowing that Nickel Search will be focusing on this year or the key points that they should remember about this discussion today. Yeah, so first point is that we're in a slightly different uh, economic context than other lithium explorers, which is, you know, we're 10 kilometres, literally 10 kilometres on the highway from Mount Catlin. They, um, they're running out of feed. So anything on our tenements, we would only need to cover the cost of digging it out of the ground and trucking it 10 kilometres down the road to them. So we're different economic in a different economic context. Uh, for the next 12 months, as I've outlined, we've got a very busy exploration program. So that means lots of news flow um, and, you know, lot, lots of um, lots of interesting things to disclose to the market. So, you know, 
should keep um, eyes on the story. And just in the final point, you know, we will be looking at changing the name. Mm, Um, (laughs) You know, it will be something that we address. But say at RIU, um, just recently I had to put over our name a handwritten note saying lithium found. Because what I saw was people walking past going, oh, nickel, Nickel, you know. Out of favour. Yeah, Yeah. but I had a big stonking rock of visual spodumene on the desk and then I stuck a paper over saying, you know, lithium lithium found and that got more attention. So... You know, it, I, I would say, you know, keep keep your eyes on us because we've got a great economic context and we've got a great exploration program and we're well funded to deliver that. We had $3.5 million in the bank at the end of December. So, you know, we can deliver this exploration Fantastic. plan. Yeah, I think the infrastructure in the surrounding area is important and, and yeah, mm. saying that a feed is, uh, a mill is going and running low on feed means that really the closest thing is... is what you want, uh, mm. and that'd be a, a perfect synergy um, that, that could really unfold quite excitingly into yeah. to this year. But uh, for those that are interested in, in following and keeping up to date with Nickel Search or the impending new name that, that comes across, uh, where can they go and how can they potentially reach out to yourself or, or have conversations uh, oh, and find yeah. out more information? Absolutely. So on our website is, which is, you know, um, nickelsearch.com, um, uh, you, you can sign up for a mailing list. There's a subscribe button there. And there's also an information email address and that's very actively monitored and often I'm the one coming back directly and uh, providing a response to any questions, which I'm absolutely more than happy to do. I mean, investors or potential investors are owners of the business. Yeah. And so, you know, if they have any questions, then it's part of my job to address those as best I can. So, yeah, it's um, a lot of information on our website. Oh, fantastic. No, I appreciate you, you taking the time and, and speaking to me today. And it's, mm. again, I, I always love uncovering the, these companies and finding out what's going on in different areas across WA. So I really appreciate you, you taking the time to oh, speak with me on the show today. Thanks, Ben. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Markable Podcast. Please remember that the topics and stocks discussed in this podcast are not financial advice. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to like, share and follow. You can follow The Market Bull on all our socials and keep up to date with global market insights.